are ya? Welcome to episode 34 of Yins Are Good, the Pittsburgh podcast that celebrates all of the good stuff going on out there and the good people who are making it so. I am your host, Tressa Glover. Thank you so much for joining me. So this episode drops on November 19th. So we are into it now, this holiday season. How are you feeling about that? I feel unprepared is a word. Uh, no, no, I do love the holidays. I love them. And as I've mentioned on the show before, I was so lucky to have grown up with big extended families. And so holidays to me are food and laughter and loud conversations and (laughs) stories and sing-alongs from time to time. Oh, yes, it's true. Uh, My Italian grandfather, my mom's dad, and his brother, Uncle Ange or Uncle Angelo, would often lead all of us. Uh, My grandfather played the organ, but he also played the accordion. He sang in barbershop as well. Uh, So he usually would play the accordion for this. And his brother, Uncle Ange, would lead us as well in songs. Sometimes there were song sheets involved, sheet music. Um, And at the time, you know, as a kid, you're thinking, okay, so this is, you know, this is what people do, right? This is what most families do. No. But um, wow. Wow. How lucky we all were to have that. Um, so much fun, so much love. But of course, right, as, as the years go by, things change. Change happens. Um, you lose people. You gain people. And my grandfather uh, is no longer with us. And his brother actually just passed away a few months ago. And, uh, well, for those of you who have tuned in before, you know that Uh, My mom passed away suddenly this past March. I know many of you listening are probably familiar with the feelings that I'm feeling this holiday, right, as the holidays are upon us. But what I'm thinking about is how lucky I am to have the family that I do. And there are good times to be had and good memories to be made. And so I hope for you that you have something akin to that, uh, you know, whatever family means to you. But I hope you all have that. You all have folks to laugh with and to share with and to celebrate with, you know, people who keep you going and lift you up when you need it. And if you don't have that right now, or you feel like you don't have that right now, might I encourage you to reach out to someone from your past, who you lost touch with, or maybe had a disagreement with, someone that you miss, reach out, you know, see what happens. Speaking of these holidays, Thanksgiving, days away at this point. Uh, But I, for this episode, I wanted to include some of your perhaps traditions or stories, anything connected to Thanksgiving. And I had a thought. I reached out to the, (laughs) I had a thought. (laughs) Hooray. I reached out to the Pitt, as in the University of Pittsburgh, Global Hub. 
And they're the folks who run slash are in charge of the nationality rooms. So these rooms are gifts, really, from the different ethnic communities who helped to build Pittsburgh. And I'll talk more about them later on in the episode. But it's that idea, and the idea formed back in 1926 when they were breaking ground for the Cathedral of Learning itself. And so since then, all the different ethnic communities in Pittsburgh, those that want to have a room there, they get committees together, they raise money, and they have these rooms dedicated to their ethnicity and their culture. So I did. I reached out and I thought, well, what if there might be someone from one of these committees, someone who's a part of creating and maintaining these nationality rooms, uh, and maybe they want to talk about what their Thanksgivings are like, given that Thanksgiving is an American holiday, and combining perhaps their heritage and their culture and what Thanksgiving is like for them. And I was able to talk to a couple of folks. So, so looking forward to sharing uh, not just their stories, but we talk about some food and some uh, recipe ideas as well, which of course is awesome. And if you listened to the last episode, you know about it, our kindness crate. I have some more uh, acts of kindness to share with you that were written by those wonderful uh, kids in the elementary school there in the north side, courtesy of Joe Stamera their teacher. So we're going to share more of those. And of course, name that neighborhood going to happen again with Don DiGiulio. Another twist. I know last episode I mixed it up. We did a true false. This episode, I'm mixing it up again. Again, can't wait to hear Don's reaction. It's going to be great. And of course, I actually want to hear your reactions. I want to hear from you. Please, we all do. We want to hear some stories, some acts of kindness. Tell us about times when someone brightened your day, made your life better, helped you, or share with us a time that you helped somebody else. That's what we're here for, and that's what we want to do. So, how do you do it? Our toll-free number, one 833 399 good leave us a voicemail there or send us an email yins are good at gmail.com and so shall we without further ado let's get to the good stuff okay i am here with our kindness crate I cannot wait to dive in. Again, these were all written by third through fifth graders at Pittsburgh Allegheny K through five. Okay, let's see. Rowan says, I gave a homeless person some money and I've been kind to someone even if they were mean to me. Trinity says, when my dad passed, my teachers were there for me. Madison says, I was walking into downtown and I fell really bad and my mom helped me. And then Madison adds, something small can make you happy. Gavin says, when my sister died, my parents took me to amusement parks in Florida, which helped us. Aubrey, 
says, I'm thankful for Camila, my best friend, for always being by my side and always being there. Faye, when I was feeling down, my friend made me happy. I didn't feel down anymore. Corinne, when I was younger, my friend Janaya was just my best friend all the way. When I cried, she was there for me. She will always be my best friend. Robert says, when my grandma looked after my dog. Devin says, someone was offering two cats, and my aunt got the small one, and we got the fluffy one. Henri, my dad helped me cook, and then I gave him five bucks. And I can't quite make out the name on this one. And I know Joe had mentioned that in the previous episode, right? It's sometimes some are more difficult, but I definitely want to read what was written, which is, I helped my friend with depression. Mason says, my teacher helped me come out to my mother. DeAndre says, when my grandma died, my friends helped me get through it. My mom has endometriosis, and when her stomach hurts from it, I always help her. Khan says, My cousin was having a hard time with homework, and I helped my cousin with it, and now he knows how to do his homework. Camila, I helped my cousin with something, and she was glad. JC, I saved my sister from getting hit by a car. Theodore says, My mom gives me food. Matthew, I love my family. They help me a lot. Rajan says, My mom makes my life so much better when she cooks. Ayana says, My mom has been there for me all the time, and I make her happy because her mom passed. Diella, My mom is my everything because she takes care of me, she cooks my meals, she gets my trash, and she gets her money and then she spends it for me, so I love her. Godiva. When my mom was very sick, she still got me clothes for a football game. And my friend Malachi helps me when I had football practice. I was going to get snacks, and then I gave him my money, and he actually bought the snacks. And Makai says, My friend was getting bullied, so I stood up for her. Well, once again, <laughs> to any of you kids who may be listening, who wrote some of these, thank you so much. I know that I'm learning from you, and I'm sure my listeners are too, and thank you for your kindness, and thank you to the people in your lives who are showing kindness to you. There's a lot of good stuff going on. And especially, like I like to talk about on the show, when we're going through tough times and sad times, difficult times, looking for the good stuff that can come out of it, right? And the acts of kindness that others will do for you or that you learn that you can do for others. And that's what we like to to focus on. And you all are proof of that. So thank you. And I'd like to say to all of the listeners, if you would like our kindness crate to stop by a school in your area or a shop or, I mean, pretty much anywhere you think, um, just let us know. 
send an email to yinsaregood at gmail.com and we'll make sure that this crate makes its way over to you and we can get more acts of kindness from folks all across the area. So to all of you students from Pittsburgh Allegheny K through five and to all of those in your life who have helped you, yins are good. All right, let's talk a little Thanksgiving now, shall we? Uh, First, I do want to mention, uh, as I said, I was reaching out looking to connect with folks about sharing traditions or stories. And uh, I got this from Karen Cordaro, whom you may remember from our, uh, she was featured in our anniversary episode that was out in July. Uh, And so Karen wrote, I had a dear friend who was a magnificent hostess of Thanksgiving dinners, but being a live-in-the-moment type of woman, she offered her guests dessert in the afternoon, an abundant Thanksgiving meal at dinnertime, and crudite and snacks while watching the game. She lived the motto, eat dessert first, much to the delight of everybody. I love that. Some lessons to be learned in there, I think. I love it. Thank you so much, Karen, for that. And as I mentioned earlier, I reached out to the nationality room committees to connect with people from various ethnic backgrounds to, again, share a story, tradition, or maybe a recipe that that they've incorporated into their American Thanksgiving experience and, and talk about what the experience has been like for them. And I was able to chat with two fabulous women, Natasha Garrett and Miriam Gao. First up is Natasha, who is a member of the Yugoslav Room. So the Yugoslav Nationality Room is one of the oldest nationality rooms in the Cathedral of Learning. It was dedicated on March 31st, 1939. At that time, there was a large community of Yugoslavs, Bosnians, Croats, Macedonians, Montenegrins, Serbs, and Slovenes living right here in Pittsburgh. And so even though the former Yugoslavia no longer exists, the six ethnic groups which it represented are still present in the area and want to preserve their culture. Uh, Natasha is from Macedonia, and she came here more than 26 years ago as a student. Hello, Natasha. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. It's so nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Wonderful. Would you like to start with just telling us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit even about Macedonia? Because I don't think we get to hear about it too much <laughs> over here. Absolutely. Yeah, there's not too many Macedonians uh living in Pittsburgh and the ones they live here they're all my friends you know we can all fit (laughs) around one big table Um, uh, Macedonia is a small landlocked country in uh, the southeastern part of Europe Uh, you know the total population is about two million people but we are very passionate and serious about our food and drinks (laughs) so (laughs) maybe that's where my enthusiasm for Thanksgiving (laughs) Ah. yeah I love I love Thanksgiving it's one of my favorite American holidays do you remember what your first Thanksgiving was like here or how you were introduced to it 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My first Thanksgiving, uh, you know, I am trying still to forget it. Uh, It was (laughs) a friend of mine invited me to her family's, you know, Thanksgiving gathering. It was, there were entirely too many people didn't understand that, you know, some Thanksgiving gatherings are big, but, uh, you know, and she said, oh, my, my brother made cherry pie, which was, I'm like, really, your, you know, 13 year old brother can make cherry pie, but it was really, you know, we bought pie crust and a can of cherry pie filling. <laughs> uh, so, and then I, you know, the food, I didn't understand, you know, I, I just wasn't familiar enough to, to appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure, you know, but uh, they did have the canned uh, cranberry sauce and this weird gelatinous thing going on with the dinner. I, I was a mess, <laughs> you know, and I, with proper training and introduction, you know, I really got to appreciate Thanksgiving food uh, and I've been loving it ever since. And so, yeah, I never could eat that cranberry jelly situation or the can't I still you know can't. what well uh the New Yorker had a had a good recipe for uh a canned cranberry jelly salad <laughs> uh Ooh. which I'm like oh this actually sounds good you slice it uh and mix it with sliced oranges and red onion and like an orange vinaigrette and kind of started to make sense so I've tried that and I actually liked it, uh, but I make my cranberry sauce with like a whole cut up orange and some raisins and port wine. Ah, well, like the good port wine. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, now I'm into it. What are you want to tell us a little about? Yes, even some more things that you make or what your Thanksgivings are like here now. Sure. So I think you know. Uh, you know, why do I like Thanksgiving? And I think it's because when you're an immigrant, you are trying to navigate things, you know, and uh, navigating the culture without really knowing what you're doing. And I feel like Thanksgiving has a nice formula, nice pattern to it. Uh, You know, with very little variation, people eat the same thing, you know, turkey, the stuffing, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, you know. (laughs) So I really think I, I enjoy that blueprint you know how to uh how to pull off thanksgiving Uh and i like that so that's what i like but i also like the food i like the ritual of it you know um we often host thanksgiving uh i like going thanksgiving shopping actually i just started making my list (laughs) you know we've done everything you know brined turkey roasted turkey in a paper bag cook it low and slow overnight but we, you know, we like doing that. And I usually just make the traditional meal, turkey, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce. Uh, sometimes I'd make a big pot of collard greens or uh, like green bean, almondine. <laughs> I've, I, I weirdly get a little Southern. I don't know why, you know, I'd make like cornbread stuffing sometimes, <laughs> you know, and the greens and all that. I, I make apple pie and pie, of course. And I used the crust recipe from the Joy of Cooking uh, book that my husband uh, has, that his mom gave him, and she annotated many of the recipes by hand. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it makes me, you know, I don't know, I make everything from scratch, and I'm really into it, and I'm, 
like almost trying to out American the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> you don't make your pie from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> And even when you were saying all the different ways that you've prepared turkey, all the different ways that you've tried. Every year I'm like, "Eh, no more than 15 pounds, you know, and then I bring home like a 25 pounder. (laughs) Uh, So I I like, you know, I like the smell of turkey and, you know, we have people over and family members. Sometimes Uh, I invite some of the international students that have never had Thanksgiving before. I'm the direct, yeah, I'm the director of International Student Services Office at La Roche University. Yeah, we have quite a variety of students, and I always like, you know, having students over for the holidays, because when I was, you know, I came to the States as a student, and I didn't know a lot of the holidays, and people would always invite us, and it was such a good, you know, immersive experience into the culture, because, you know, you eat in the cafeteria, it's not the same. <laughs> right this is how like real people eat and um, oh that's so wonderful yeah I'm 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 really happy and you know I I, being an international student I hope you know to make it easier for students (laughs) if if that means having them over for Thanksgiving uh you know that's always fun and is is there anything else when we talked about the cranberry, but as far as like, we were talking about the usual foods of our Thanksgiving, is there anything else that you, you know, growing up didn't eat a lot of or see a lot of? No, nothing. I mean, nothing was unusual, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a combination of flavors that is so recognizable. That's something I didn't have before. Like I wouldn't mix fruit necessarily with my savory meals, you know, maybe different desserts. You know, I didn't really have like an American style pie until I came to the States. And I love making pies. Like we don't, I don't like the whipped cream ever, you know, the ready whip on the pie. I, oh yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't understand combining desserts with desserts, like ice cream with pie. Like why? (laughs) The pie, it doesn't need anything else, but yeah, it's two desserts, you know, don't pretend it's one dessert. And so is there anything else you wanted to share with us or? I, I think the, the idea that it's just a one big fun meal, you know, there's very little expectations, very little surprises. You don't, you know, there's no gift like Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I find it soothing and, you know, the idea that it's basically the same every year. Uh, I find reassurance in that routine. <laughs> mm. um, we try, you know, uh, I've been better at using uh, my uh, my husband's grandma's china. Feels connected, you know. Makes me feel like, you know, I do kind of, you know, my the American part of my identity shines. I, mm. you know. I love that. And I'm so grateful that you shared all of this with us, and it's so nice to meet you. Very good to meet you. Thanks for having me. Thank you again so much, Natasha. What a great chat. And now, let's hear from Miriam Gao, who is a member of the French Nationality Room. And a little about that room. So it was the spring of 1929 when the Chancellor of the University of Pittsburgh and a few members of the Alliance Francaise, oh, my apologies to Miriam for that pronunciation, I'm sure, 
Uh, they met to discuss the idea of a French classroom in the Cathedral of Learning. And I should mention here, so these nationality rooms, I don't know if I should say all, but I know most at least of them are classrooms. 1929, they met, but this undertaking uh, languished for a few years. And uh, then between 1938 and 1940, work finally uh, was conducted on the room. And in 1943, the key to the French room was finally presented to the chancellor. And here's Miriam. Oh, my. It's so nice to talk to you. Very nice talking to you, too. And uh, I think that, you know, the idea is fantastic, you know, to uh, learn a little bit about, you know, uh, uh, traditions and, and, you know, what people are doing. I think that's great. Me, too. And I think, you know, especially in Pittsburgh, where, you know, there have been so many groups of immigrants who've come here just to learn more about about folks who decide to come here and stay here and uh, and then specifically with an American holiday. Yeah, in um, fact, I mean, that's funny because, I mean, one of the things I, uh, I was thinking of is um, that a lot of times uh, people are really surprised when I tell them that uh, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Europe. And uh, yeah, they, they are like a little, you know, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people are kind of, really? And I said, yes, we don't have Thanksgiving, so... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just start off maybe telling us a little bit about you, yourself, and how maybe a little bit about the town where you grew up and and how you made it over here? Okay. Um, uh, Well, my name is Miriam Gao. Uh, I'm originally from France. I moved uh, in 1995 uh, to the U.S. uh, with my husband and my two young, well, the two youngest kids at the time. I had two more since then. Um, but we moved to Arizona. We didn't go directly to Pittsburgh. We, uh, we moved to uh, Phoenix. And it was supposed to be only for two years. My husband was working for an American company. They wanted him to do, um, you know, something here, you know. And then uh, we were planning on going back. And, uh, well, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen, it seems, because we're still here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I really loved, uh, you know, learning about other cultures and everything, especially in Arizona. It was so different from Europe. And then uh, when uh, he was uh, contacted by a company in the Pittsburgh area, uh, I was pregnant with my two last, which uh, are uh, twin girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and we moved to pittsburgh i didn't know anyone uh um, but people are so so nice uh in pennsylvania i mean we were really uh uh welcomed you know we made a lot of friends and uh you know even though i hate winters here because i'm from the south of france oh no <laughs> um uh i i i love the people you know and and the four seasons and everything so um uh, i have a company with my husband in uh, on smithfield street so uh, really downtown pittsburgh you could not be closer <laughs> downtown <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I'm the president of the French Cultural Center, uh, for the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas. You're busy. I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) And so 
let's talk, maybe let's talk about your Thanksgiving or maybe your introduction to it. Uh-huh. Was your first, yeah, like how you became familiar with it? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, obviously, because we didn't celebrate uh, Thanksgiving in, in France, when I moved uh, to the U.S., that was like a brand new uh, holiday to, uh, you know, to experience. And uh, I think if I recall the first one uh, we had, um, because we didn't know a lot of people, uh, we didn't get any invitation or anything. So we basically went to a restaurant. Our kids were toddlers at the time as well. So, you know, it was a little bit difficult. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah um but uh so we went to a restaurant i didn't cook anything you know uh we were in an apartment and so that was not necessarily very easy and i didn't know what to cook as well so uh but uh we loved it uh we really loved it um you know french people and food it's a love affair <laughs> <laughs> and yes. uh, I think, you know, uh, what re- represents for me uh, the most, you know, uh, American cuisine, that would be for me, that would be Thanksgiving dinner, obviously. So, And so how has it evolved for you and for your family, uh, the holiday? Well, I mean, obviously, after that, you know, I wanted maybe, you know, to try myself, you know, yeah. <laughs> to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, the first thing, you know, when you don't exactly know what to do, you go on the internet, you, um, you buy magazines and, you know, you look at recipes and you try to recreate that. And it's basically what I did. So, uh, my go-to was the Bon Appetit magazine, I would say, (laughs) (laughs) you know, trying to find some interesting things and again, and going, you know, uh, on the internet to try to find good recipes. So I kind of started like that and a little bit, and then it evolved, obviously, uh, uh, especially, you know, with our family growing and uh, me putting a little French twist to it. Ah, so what would that, what would those French twists be? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, so from, I'm from the southwest of France, and I confess that some years, you know, I wanted to try it with duck instead of turkey. And uh, mm. my uh, kids, uh, my two um, older kids were not born here, but they came as toddlers. So, uh, you know, they really became American, you know, uh, uh, from the beginning. And they were not very happy with me <laughs> <laughs> having duck instead of turkey. <laughs> and. <laughs> And the two youngest are, uh, you know, were born in Pittsburgh, and that was the same story. So I, I, I didn't continue that way. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I went back to the Turkey, uh, and I found a great recipe that I'm using pretty much every year. It's with mayonnaise. Uh, oh! Because uh, it keeps the turkey very moist, and it's so easy to do. And I tried so many things with bourbon and whatever, you know, from from magazine and things and the mayonnaise one is the easiest and the tastiest <laughs> that I I've ever... never heard of okay yeah I'm gonna have to look that up so that's absolutely not French but that was my <laughs> uh bending over to my family you know to try to you know <laughs> have it as much uh as close as possible to 
the original, uh, you know, intents of Thanksgiving. Sure. <laughs> um, my twists are mostly all around that. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, we usually start with an aperitif because in France, you cannot start a meal right away like that. Uh, <laughs> so usually it's uh, like a cure royale or something like that, you know, a champagne and, and, uh, and, uh, creme de cassis or some, you know, uh, uh something nice and, you know, uh, festive. And, mm -hmm. uh, we have, you know, our charcuterie with it or, uh, I know some people are going to say, ah, but uh, liver pate on bread. <laughs> oh, oh my. Uh, you know, olives, nuts, these type of things. We start like that. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, to go with uh, the turkey, I like to go with the green beans uh, because I think that goes very well. And um, we love mashed potato, but uh, sometimes I do potato gratin. Uh, oh, yeah. which uh, is also my French twist to, uh, you know, to, uh, to the potatoes for that meal. Um, oh, you have to continue after that uh, with chestnut in the stuffing. Chestnuts, you know, uh, in Turkey, we usually have that for Christmas in France. Uh, we oh, okay. Yeah. And so for, because we don't do uh, the turkey at Christmas we do it at Thanksgiving, I need to have a little bit of the chestnuts in the mm -hmm. mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, after that, light salad and cheese with good bread. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> uh -oh. And I know you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, bread and, and cheese after the turkey and everything. How can you do that? Well, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> you have to prepare. You have to know that it's coming and save okay. room. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I confess I'm not a fan of uh, pumpkin pies, uh, so I will go with a tart tata or uh, an apple tart. Oh, okay. Now, is there, is there a place that you love to get your bread when you're talking about fresh bread? Oh, my gosh, yes. And, yes. and Nick, um, <laughs> Nick is going to be very happy about what I'm going to say. <laughs> Nick and Bielodis. Uh I love the bread from Mediterra. <gasps> I agree. It is so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Mediterranean. Uh, yeah. He has the Mount Athos bread, which is exactly the same test as the country bread that my grandparents had on the table in the uh, southwest in France. It's oh, exactly my. the same taste. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So I'm so happy, you know, they are here. Yes. <laughs> They are so good. Yeah, yeah. So that will be the bread I will go to, definitively. And if I'm not making, you know, the desserts, I will go to uh, my friend David Picor's shop, uh, Gabby and Jules, for the pastries, because mm. they are to die for. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, oh, and where, are that, where is that located? I don't know if I know that. Uh, Gabby and Jules, it's, uh, they have different locations, but okay. uh, they, they are on uh, Forbes across from Little, uh, you know, by the um, Squirrel Hill Library. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, their, their pastries are, are so good. And uh, yeah, I, I would go there if I was not doing, doing something myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my. So do you so you make 
the apple tartlets or that you were saying or the, the desserts that you do so you make them yeah i mean it's uh, you know an apple tart french apple tart it's you know it's not you know a complicated affair i mean it's really a simple apple tart you know nothing fancy or a tart tata, which is, you know, you do the apple tart upside down, basically. And uh, and it's very easy to do also. And you can find recipes, you know, uh, when you Google it. It's it, it looks complicated, but it's absolutely not. I don't like when it's too sugary, you know, my desserts, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's why I usually uh, like the combination of, you know, uh, a tart and uh, apples. I think that's uh, a a good combination for it not to be too sweet. Yeah, I mean, and you need to think about the wine, too. I mean, you know, in a a French meal, you have you need to have good wines. So, yes. Yeah. So uh, for a meal, you know, with turkey, I would go with a, a, a Beaujolais or a Pinot Noir for red. Mm-hmm. And uh, or a Loire Valley for white, if you don't uh, like red. And okay. Yeah, uh, and I think that would go well. I mean, it's usually what I do what we serve, you know, at the table. So yeah, <laughs> this is fabulous. And so you have. So for this year, will it be who all will be together? Well, it's going to be very international. Uh, I do have uh, three of my kids who will be there. Uh, one of them is married to uh, a wonderful lady who's from Central PA, who huh. has also, uh, you know, family recipes. So her mom is coming as well, and her mom will bring a dessert, and she will bring a side dish. So that will be, you know, our American side uh, and uh, we do have friends from Brazil uh, who are coming to. And what is very funny is uh, that she is uh, she has a recipe for a dessert, which is a flan uh, from Brazil. And the first time I ate that at her house, it tasted exactly like my mother-in-law's flan in France. Oh and I was like so surprised, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess recipes, you know, cross borders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she was used to do that in her family, and it's like, the exact same taste as oh my, my mother-in-law. So uh, that's that's going to be Brazil, America, and France all together. I love this. <laughs> I really like about Thanksgiving is the fact that uh, I mean, it includes everyone. Uh, Thanksgiving, that's like a new holiday that, you know, I, we can all together celebrate, you know, on the same level. And, and no matter where you come from or, you know, you're here in the U.S., that's the ultimate for me holiday because it embraces everyone. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh is renowned for pick, its pickles. I mean, you put pickles, you know, even on the <laughs> Christmas tree here. <laughs> and uh, yes, and, and in France we have this special uh, uh, savory pickle. It's not a sweet pickle uh, that you can find in grocery stores. In fact, I mean it's from the the brand Mai M A I L L E, and it's the in the pickle section. And it's uh, a salty pickle, and they're small. And uh, I usually serve that as well. You know. Uh, for the meal with uh, with a turkey, um, so that could be your little French twist if you don't want to cook, you know, too much, or <laughs> you know, if you're afraid of you know going a little bit, you know, uh, 
uh, to your astray. <laughs> yes, just a little something. Yeah, and Ooh. at least, you know, it keeps in the tradition of a pickle with Pittsburgh. So <laughs> That's right. I love that. And so do you just, so just the pickles by themselves, you don't need to yeah, do anything I, with them? Okay. No, I, well, I mean, you could put them, you know, you can put them on the liver, liver pate, pate with the appetizer, but I know a lot of people don't like liver pate. So. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it goes well with anything which is, you know, uh, meat, you know, poultry, everything, you know, uh, you can serve that in sandwiches the next day, you know, with your leftover turkey and, you know, you can put, you know, a little slice, you, you slice your little pickle and put that here because it has a salty taste. I mean, it's, it's really good with, uh, with white meat as well. So um, as, you oh. know, uh, roast beef or anything. So <laughs> I am going to try those. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so fun. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. Well, hi, Don. Hey, Tressa. Fancy meeting you here. I know, right? And fancy your eyes being closed. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're back in the same room, listeners, because sound quality wasn't up to snuff on my end of the deal last time, I don't think. Uh, you know, it's really, it's, it's, you're difficult to work with a little bit. I, I cannot work under these conditions. That, yeah, I cannot. Mm -hmm. um, so we are, name that neighborhood, here we are. No, really? Yeah, it's true. That's why you brought me here? It is true. It's oh, true. Oh, what a it's surprise. <laughs> I know. Wait for this surprise. Oh, boy. So, another twist. Mm. You know, last episode, we did true-false. True, mm -hmm. This episode, and I haven't come up with a clever name <laughs> for it. You should probably plan but these it, things out before you start talking. I though. know. If only there were a way to do that. <laughs> so, it is named that neighborhood, but... We're going to go international. What? What? Are you, what do you think you are, house hunters? Because <laughs> they went international. Uh, yeah, that's, yep, we got it. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to do, name that country. It's going to be either. Of all the countries? Of, any, of all oh, of the countries. God. So oh. it's either Macedonia mm -hmm. or France. And these, of course, are coming from Natasha and Miriam. We're just doing it. I, we're doing it. I, I, well, I, I'm not. You are, oh. technically. <sighs> let's go for it, Hey, man. you know, let's do it. All right. Yep. So, oh, and I remembered this time. So, there are five. Again with the five. <laughs> Statements of fact. Uh, four just. Uh. I know. You're going to be okay. You went international and you took it up to five. I did. I did. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. All right. We. Oh, Lord. Number one. This country was the birthplace of Mother Teresa. Uh, do -do. Um, I, I have no idea. Um, Macedonia. For having no idea, you sure got it right. <laughs> 
It is Macedonia. So that's where she was born. Mother Teresa of Calcutta was born in 1910 in Skopje, Macedonia. And her family was of Albanian descent. Mm. Um, But just an overview. I mean, we could talk about her for an entire episode, of course. But at the age of 18, she left her family home there and joined the Sisters of Laredo, an Irish community of nuns with missions in India. And so she trained for a few months in Dublin and then was sent to India and she took her initial vows as a nun in 1931 and taught in a convent school in Calcutta, but all of the suffering and poverty that she saw just outside that convent uh, left a deep impression and she received permission to leave the school and devote herself to working among the poor in the slums of Calcutta. And she had no funds, but she started an open-air school for the, for the children and was soon joined by voluntary helpers and financial support also soon followed. I mean, she won the Nobel Peace Prize, of course, 1979, mm-hmm. and was canonized in 2016. There you go. Don is one for one. Number two, supermarkets in this country are forbidden to throw away unsold food that could be given away to those in need. Hmm. Forbidden is a strong word. Is it like, a, is it a law? Sorry. Can I go to the judges? Let's not go to the judges. Uh, let's shoot for France. Uh, hey, you're correct. What? Yes. This one doesn't seem. <laughs> well, let me tell you about it. Cool. Uh, it is a law. In February 2016, France adopted a pioneering law. <laughs> I said that as if it were pioneers. <laughs> no. Are um, they not pioneers? No, it, but a pioneering law like on... Conestoga wagons? Yeah, that's what I. That's the image I had when I said it. Uh, on fighting food waste. And so this means supermarkets are forbidden to destroy unsold food products and instead are compelled to donate it. And they can donate it to non-governmental organizations and other charities who help feed the poor. And as of 2019, every morning, more than 2,700 supermarkets send nearly out-of-date food, (laughs) but not out-of-date, to almost 80 warehouses across the country, rescuing 46,000 tons a year that would otherwise be thrown away. Wow. Wow. How about and also and, and also another like another benefit to uh, in, in addition to the obvious benefits is mm-hmm. the supermarkets and the country I'm sure also um, benefit because there's less trash to deal with. Oh sure. So well, how about it, France? How about it, France? I would not have suspected that. Yeah. Let's just keep it moving. Number three, in this country, it's deemed unlucky to turn bread upside down. These are very. <laughs> these are very difficult. Um, let's go, France. You're correct, and I actually love this. Okay, so the French believe we're t- so we're talking superstition here, which of course you know how I love those. I so, do. Um, it is said, okay, the French believe that placing a baguette or any type of bread. Mm-hmm. 
upside down on a table can cause bad luck. Now, there are a number of different origin stories for this superstition, but the most likely dates back to the Middle Ages. So back then, when there was an execution scheduled in town, the town executioner would often not have time to pick up his bread in the morning before work. So the baker would reserve a loaf for him by hanging it upside down, and the executioner would pick it up later on in the day. Thus, because of this practice over time, upside down bread became a symbol of fear and death and people would avoid any upside down bread to avoid misfortune. And we're talking guillotine. So we're, we're talking executions that are particularly heinous. I would think. Yeah, with yeah. the French. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also three for three. So, you know. <laughs> Number four. In 2006, this country became the first in the world to have full access to a wireless broadband connection. Macedonia? Look at you! So the thought process there was people would get to use the internet en masse. Or en masse, I guess. Which you should probably keep these thoughts to yourself, because really, people, people could just think, wow, he's really smart. <laughs> no. No, I like Shaking it. Shaking my head at you. You now. are. You are indeed. No, it's, again, however you get there, Don. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about it, shall we? I hope you would. Mm. So, yes. So, it's true. And it all started when United States Agency for International Development, also called USAID, funded and founded the Macedonia Connects Project, which hired a local company to provide wireless access for all of Macedonia's schools. That project was completed in September 2005, and that established a backbone, if you will, of wireless access for the whole country. You said that with force at the end there. I did. Yeah. First country in the world. Hmm. How about it? How about it? I say that a lot. I'm noticing. How about it? You do. There's only one more, Don. You trooper, you, going with name that country, which I'll come up with a better. Oh, (laughs) Number five. If you were dipping your toes in the oldest and deepest lake in Europe, you would be in this country. (laughs) I got poetic with that one. You did. I often dip my toes in lakes. I know. So this is... I know how you do. Particularly close to my heart, this question. Um, <laughs> or your toes. Or my toes. Now, now who's, now who's made a misstep? And you're wheezing. <laughs> because it was a t- you're wheezing. <laughs> Why am I wheezing? Right. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Are you done? Are you quite done? Yes. You know, uh, France. Sure. No! Oh. oh, you were doing so well, but you know how I love to hear that sound. I know you do. And if only the country was called Macedonia, I would have gotten it right. Oh my God. Okay. The oldest and deepest lake in Europe is in Macedonia. And it is called Lake Orid. And it's in the small resort city of Orid. And both the town and the lake are recognized as UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And also, um, Lake Orid is one of the oldest lakes in the 
whole world, mm. uh, at least four million years old. And it has a unique uh, aquatic ecosystem that has more than 200 endemic species. And it's apparently gorgeous, this lake. It sounds like it. <laughs> if it survived for four million years, it yeah. must be doing something right. It's doing something right. Mm-hmm. Four for five, Don, on a total whirlwind of... Sure. Yeah. This well, is good. No, nothing happens. Nothing good happens after four, though, Tressa. That's not true. Okay. I think we had five last episode when mm-hmm. you got them on. Did we? Mm-hmm. I should probably listen to your episodes. Do you listen to the show? <laughs> okay, great. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, on that note, oh. it's a joy, as always. It's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, I just love volunteering my time. Don't you? For this. Yeah. 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 Thanks for all the curveballs. Hey, you got it. Okay. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Oh, my, that Don DiGiulio. Um, that is going to do it for us here. Episode 34 of Yins Are Good. I am your host, Tressa Glover. Please do keep connecting with us. 1-833-399-GOOD or you know it, yinsaregood at gmail.com. And I do want to say, uh, as Thanksgiving approaches, that I really am incredibly grateful for all of you for listening, for sharing, for keeping this show going, for keeping each other going. So thank you. Yins really are good. And until next time, my friends, be safe, be kind, be good. Special thank yous to Kati Chaman, Karen Liu, Roberta Hatcher, Joe Stamera, Don DiGiulio, and as always, for our most fabulous artwork, Mike Rubino.